0: Bienvenidos, and welcome back to the Doggy Juice Pod, changing the way you think as a sports better. This is episode number 56, Thursday night, September 19th, 2019, the day after my birthday. And in this episode, we are going to dive right into football. I sat down with our very own Danimal tonight to go over some of the biggest matchups this weekend in college football week 4 and NFL week 3, we're coming off a 14-2-2 two and two week on the Doggy Juice Twitter posted plays. Last week treated us very well, especially in teaser land. There's so many NFL teasers that fit our model last week, crossing through the key numbers of 3 and 7. But there's more edges to be found this week, so without further ado, let's jump into this week's interview with our very own Danimal. Ladies and gents, we are back with the Danimal for another week of breaking down couch football in the NFL. we got couch football week four and NFL week three ahead of us. How are you doing, Danimal?
1: Doing well, doing well. Watching a little WNBA playoffs, obviously, um, D-Gen lifestyle. Um, so I'm doing well.
0: <laughs> so you have a connection to the the uh, Washington Mystics. Do you want, yeah. care to share?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, good friend is assistant coach and Father's head coach grew up with them, so um, big time Mystics fan. Hopefully, um, coach Mike Tebow gets his first um ship this year.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be a good series. And we were talking about this before we started recording here. But uh, Mystics favored to get it done right now, but it looks like they're in a like a run in a potential run in with Connecticut, who coach Tebow coached for in the past two, right? Yep, came in the league with them, so he was there for a while. Yeah, that's a storyline getting the storylines before they become, become storylines, so. That's what we do here. Um, <laughs> so, so let's break. We're just going to break down some games, uh, some of the major games and some of the games we would like in college football week four. And then we'll do the same for NFL week three. Let's just start right off with it right now. Friday night, USC against Utah. This one opened up at Utah pick slash like around minus one at, at circa uh, when that opened, but it moved up like immediately to three tons of money came in on Utah. Um, I'm on USC here. I, I took the plus four and a half. I also sprinkled some money line when it was at that price. Uh, it looks like it's settling out at around four. But uh, I'm a I'm believer in USC here. I think it's a simple fact that when you look at last week, uh, BYU was playing USC, and we were, we were on BYU, talked about it on the podcast. Um, at least I was on BYU. I think like you were like neutral, but um, I was all over BYU in that game. And, and now when you look at the same line now, USC, who was laying minus four and a half to BYU last week, is getting four and a half against Utah, the same Utah team that was just laying around six and a half at BYU a few weeks ago. If your head's spinning, if you do all that math there, basically it's, there, there's a pretty shift line movement there um, where you consider BYU as like the common denominator. So I just think the lines run too far. I think the line opened up at around the right number and all the money that came in um maybe a little bit was warranted because it should have been not a them, but past three, I'm getting involved on USC here at a plus four, plus four and a half. It's a like for me. What, do you have any thoughts on this one?
1: Yeah, um, I know I told you right when the line came out that I liked Utah, um, and then I'm not gonna play it after um talking with you. Um the only reason is because I am a reactionary better. So I go week to week with uh, my emotions and um I'm a USC fan. Um bet them with, um, against BYU didn't work. Um, and I just think, and it doesn't really make sense, but this is Utah's like, this is winner go home for the Pac 12 Pac 10. And, um, if Utah doesn't win this, then Pac 10 has no horse in the race. Um, so I don't know if you could say refs are going to play this a little differently, but this <laughs> was, is basically, this is winner go home for Utah though. You know, I mean, they have to show up here. Otherwise, um, the pack is just a, uh, cluster for the rest of the year so that was my reasons for the leans um and obviously the coaching mismatch but i could see i could see usc pulling this out
0: yeah i mean the coaching mismatch one thing uh usc it's just coming home i think kadan slovis the freshman quarterback returning playing at home this year he's so much more comfortable and last week was his first road game he didn't even look that bad it was his first road start and that's like one of the toughest places to go play in the whole country up at elevation in uh, provo utah and he went in there and he, he looked all right. I mean, U, USC did not look that bad. They like came went into overtime. Um, and today they, they could have pulled that one off for sure. So I, I think the line just moved too far on this one. So I'm, I'm taking that plus four and a half with USC. So uh, let's move on to Saturday though. We got the big daddy in the morning. There's actually a lot of good Saturday matchups get, yeah, but starting things off, we have Michigan at Wisconsin, Michigan beat the piss out of them last year. I think I forget the exact score, but um the interesting thing about this game is the line move, because in the summertime, this was as high as Michigan by a touchdown at some uh, summer look-ahead lines at some like Vegas shops. And even just a few weeks ago, Michigan was still favored in this matchup, but now all of a sudden it's, it's shifted, and Wisconsin is laying three and a half at home. I don't, do you think the market's overreacted on this one, or do you think it's right where it should be?
1: Yeah, in my opinion, I know um, you're more on the Michigan side, I only like to touch on that, but um, yeah. I I like Wisconsin and I know it's, it's weird. The market shifted so much because, um, Wisconsin has beat nobody. Um, Michigan obviously looked rough against army, but army is a valid foe. Um, they're nothing to write off. So I am surprised with that huge line movement based off of a couple, um, early games against not gigantic opponents. So, um, the line shift does confuse me, but it also makes me think that a lot of sharp money, um, was thinking or the casinos or whoever was thinking that Michigan still doesn't have it on offense and um, going to Camp Randall is going to be a long day.
0: Yeah and the the line has like stayed the same so it's clear there's clearly like you know at least respected money that's not moving this back down but I mean yeah when you, you're touching on it how Wisconsin they haven't really beat anybody but they, they've outscored their opponents 110 to zero to start the season but then again those opponents were South Florida who just looks like I mean Charlie Strong is going to get fired this year I think he's on his way towards that and then miami of ohio in the other game so they've also been. was it miami of ohio crap am i forgiving
1: oh wisconsin <laughs> wisconsin schedule so far yeah they've no central michigan
0: central michigan okay. same thing yeah right so 110 to zero though i mean obviously the market's going to react to something like that and they have looked amazing like uh jonathan taylor looks like obviously like a total heisman candidate he's he's actually like, catching balls in the backfield now too and um but this line, I mean, 110 to nothing, and then you look at Michigan barely beating Army. People kind of forget last year, Oklahoma, who went to the playoff, they needed an overtime to beat Army as well early in the year. So I think that people are overreacting to that Michigan start and overreacting to the Wisconsin start. This line should be closer to a pick So recency bias this is a classic case for me. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead. I've already taken Michigan plus three and a half, taken some Michigan money line. I think Michigan wins this game outright in uh, in Madison.
1: Yeah, I'll be pulling for you. Um, it's interesting, and for some reason, my dumb brain doesn't like trends because, in my opinion, it's a new team every year, so I don't get why trends matter. Um, but the trends on Michigan, on the road – um, as a dog at Wisconsin, or anywhere from 0-13 straight up as a dog since 2013, 1-5 on the road in their last six, 0-5 on their last five at Wisconsin. It's just, it's wild how bad they are.
0: Yeah, all the trends point Wisconsin's way. Exactly. So, yeah, it's tough getting in front of that, but I'm, just, I'm sticking in my guns on this one, I think. And especially, I'm expecting a lower scoring game on this one, and both these teams are coming off a bye. They've had two weeks to prepare for this game. And I can't help but think. Last time I saw the under, uh, we're recording this Thursday night, but the under was at 45, or the total was at 45. And I can't help but think that there might be a little bit of value on the under here, just because I think they're going to be it's going to be a smash mouth game, ground and pound, or at least a first half under. They've had two weeks to prepare for this game, and obviously, like there's the the uh, Wisconsin revenge angle. Michigan hungry to turn things around after a really slow start to the year, so I could see value being on the under. Uh, in the, at least the first half under in this one, so let's go like next game, um, Texas A and M versus Auburn. A and M is laying three and a half. I think this line got it was at four. I think it actually ticked four and a half at some places for a bit, but now it's back down to to three and a half. You got any thoughts on this game? Um, not really. I haven't seen much of Auburn at
1: all. I don't know. Um, I missed the first week, obviously, um, that Oregon game. So I don't know what happened there. Um, I know Oregon was winning for most of the game, so I have nothing really on Auburn. I was pleasantly impressed with AM at Clemson, albeit, um, they didn't do much, but they definitely hung around on, especially on defense. And, um, Jimbo looked like he had his team playing. Obviously Clemson is just another level above them, but Texas A&M at home, I know is. Pretty damn tough to play. So, um, if I am bored and this game does come on my TV, I probably will lean Texas A&M.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. This is one of those games where I think the line is, is about right where it should be. Um, it'd probably take like a a minus one to get <laughs> for me to get involved on in A and M and a plus seven on Auburn. That's just not going to happen. So, I think this is just a a watch and learn for me. But I, I know one that you're definitely betting on, and actually, you've brought this to my attention at the beginning of the week, and I've kind of shifted my own thoughts on this game, but Washington visits BYU, who we talked about earlier in the, in this podcast, and they're laying a a similar number to uh, against the BYU Cougars that USC was last week. I think it's up to to six and a half, but it was at six for a while and there's no way in hell that Washington is just, you know, a point and a half better than, than USC. So clearly, you know, one of those two lines is off. I think last week's was, but this one, I'm starting to come around to, uh, to what you're thinking on this one. How do you see this one?
1: Yeah, this is definitely one of my, um, locks of the week. I, I saw it early at like four, four and a half. And I loved it. Obviously couldn't get on it till six. Um, but the line's moving in the right direction. I was shocked how low it is. Um, Washington obviously has that loss to Cal who's actually not looking bad at all. Um, plays great defense. And then Washington just exploded against Hawaii and was up like 30 to nothing in the first quarter last week. Um, Everybody's talking about that Eason guy possibly being the best quarterback in the country. Um, So I'm excited to watch him. And I just BYU off back-to-back overtime games. Obviously, it's still a big game. They're still at home. And I actually like that BYU quarterback. I just under a touchdown is just it's kind of shocking to me. So I think Washington wins this by double digits.
0: Yeah, I hear you on that one. And anything under a touchdown, I think I'm going to put a little ticket down on Washington too, just because you mentioned it. BYU's coming off the double or back-to-back overtimes last week. Just a tougher game that required a lot of energy. And Washington, you know, that game was over like right away. They coasted against Hawaii. They're able to look forward to this game. I don't don't think this is a look-ahead spot too um, for them. I think that they're they're going to take this opponent seriously, especially since you know one of their conference opponents just lost to BYU last week. So I, I'm with you here. I, I'm definitely uh, going to take out uh, the wallet and put a little wager down in Washington also, I think, on this one. So um, Another big game involving uh, two big teams. You look at their rankings on the AP poll, and you'd think the spread would be closer, but Georgia hosting Notre Dame. Georgia's laying two touchdowns in this game now, and everyone remembers how poorly Notre Dame has done against big-name like big name teams lately, but they haven't been as bad at against these like bigger name teams during the regular season. I think people are more just, they have in mind, you know, that loss to Alabama in the national championship and against you know Clemson uh, in the, uh, in the semis. And I, I don't know for me here, I think the line feels about right, but in a situation like this where the line's so big, it, it's always a, it's almost always a dog or pass scenario for me. Um, but I, I still think this one's about right. I think this one's it says 35 to 21, pretty much written all over it. Do you get any thoughts on this one down?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, I feel like that's what I kind of told you over G the other day is I was, um, for me, it's Georgia or pass. i scared of the back door. Obviously. Um, I just think Georgia runs all over them. Um, I don't know. I just, I hate Notre Dame, so I'm a little biased there, but <laughs> I know I mentioned it for the A&M Clemson when it's two top 10 or so teams and it's a double digit spread for the most part, they usually are blowouts. Um, so Georgia between the hedges, um, I just, it's hard to not think Georgia wins this game by 14 to 17. But like you said, this is pretty much a bet on if I'm um, feeling degenerate bored on the couch. Um, <laughs> but I just have, I don't have any reason to lock it in before the game starts or anything.
0: Right. Yeah, no, this is a watch and learn for sure. I'm Look to get involved uh, in the middle of the game on this one. But, you know, Ian Book, Notre Dame, they could definitely move the ball in this game, stay stay within the number. But like you said, Georgia in the trenches, it's just hard. You know, they, they can open up. We wouldn't be shocked at all if they're leading by three touchdowns, you know, like midway through the third quarter in that one. So um, another game with a bigger spread, we have Oregon at Stanford. Stanford is reeling right now. Uh, just traveled back cross country. They got smashed at uh, Central Florida, but Stanford's getting ten and a half in this game at home against Oregon. Do, do, you, do you still think uh, that that's worthy of a play, or where do you where are you standing on that game?
1: Yeah, I am um, big on Oregon first half. Um, I think it's six or so, and then not as big on the full game ten and a half, just because um, I don't know Mario Cristobal. I don't know. They just don't seem to completely blow the doors off people i mean they beat the crap out of nevada um montana was something like 30 to 3 or something but um i just love that first half i I don't know how stanford comes back um they're not the old stanford where they could muscle you around they just can't keep up with speed teams look at what ucf did to them and oregon's got to be just as good as ucf if not better um i know stanford's at home but i that's not a big home field advantage um I just don't see any way Stanford keeps this close unless it's their last their last battle before they just die. Yeah. I think it's a blowout and Oregon's up two scores at half.
0: Yeah, see for me I'm I'm leaning Stanford here just because that, that hook also, the ten and a half, kinda of leads me out because know, they're down seventeen here. They can get that back door. But I also expect uh David Shaw to really like try and slow this game down. It's one of those situations where you know like He's always, like, been a really good coach in the past doing that, and and he knows how to play to his team's strengths, even though they might not be as strong this year, in order to stay within the number here, or at least make a game out of it. So I wouldn't be surprised, at least for that first half, if he's slowing it down. So it might be tough to – I almost, like, want to go head-to-head with you on that first half, but depending on the numbers, because, like, I think he could slow it down, or I think he's going to look to slow it down, at least in the first half, to start things out. So it might just be tough for Oregon to get a margin, but at the same time, you know, like – Oregon with Herbert and that offense i mean we could be looking at like a you know 20 point lead in this one uh, at some point early on so it's tough for me but i I'm, I'm definitely leaning the stanford way in that one just getting all those points and uh, trusting david shaw i just think it's like a total time where the you know the market's really down on them right now 10 and a half it's that's a crazy spread for them to be getting at home so that's just my thoughts though but um northwestern against Michigan State. Michigan State last week took like, everybody's money. Uh, I'm, I'm just like so happy that I did not bet on that because I was I wanted to bet it, but by the time it, it hit 14, I was like, oh, man, I, I just can't do it anymore. And then I was pissed off when it got to 15 and a half. I was like, oh, man, like I should have got it when it was 14. But I stayed away. But a lot of people, sharps and squares together, lost on, on Michigan State last week against Arizona State. Do you think that this is like a situation where Michigan State is – you know, like it's like just a letdown spot because of that huge, you know, there's a revenge spot. Everything was set up for them last week. But do you think that this is like a letdown after that? or Are they going to refocus uh, when they visit Northwestern?
1: I hope it's a letdown. I, I, I hate them. They're on my um, do not bet list i hope they're um they have the worst trip ever to chicago um i think D'Antoni is very
0: you could do something about
1: that true i think D'Antoni is vastly overrated i mean they don't have offense for how many years i don't get it um i know the end of the year they always finish pretty good they'll give michigan a game because it's a rivalry and it'll be 18 to 16 but i'm just so over betting on Michigan state. And I told you when I bet on it that they'll win by 30 or lose like 12 to 10. And it was the <laughs> latter. Um, yeah. so it was even ASU, my nemesis beating me down. So I easily bet on Northwestern this, um, week, smaller bet though, just because just out of spite, um, the total is like 38, you're getting nine and a half. It just seems too easy. Even though it's uh Michigan state will win
0: 30 to 10. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's crazy when you when you hear Pat Fitzgerald, the Northwestern coach, his his um, all the trends involving him as a as an underdog, uh, you know, road and home underdog, just him in the underdog role in general. But um, the other thing is like, yeah, you mentioned that the, the low total still like, and I, I wonder if this is like factored in. People know about this, but he's twenty five and nine. Pat Fitzgerald twenty five and nine to the under at home in the last five years. So I. You know, that there's not much value to be had at a total that low. But I do think it's gonna be that low scoring. It's just gonna be one of those low scoring, boring Big Ten games. And I agree with you from the aspect, you know, that's a lower scoring game, every point's that much more valuable and getting that many points at Northwestern's tempting, but it's like, oh man, it's like a nine. I just wish it hit ten so I can really get involved there. But I think a lot of people are expecting a Michigan State bounce back effort, and I don't know if I'm gonna s I am going to I do not know if we're gonna see it. So let's hope not. <laughs> Um, one other thing I want to touch on before we switch to NFL is Florida State. Um, they've been an interesting team this year just with, with Willie Taggart. And they're 3-0 first half this year, but they're 0-3 in the second half. And we, we talked about this um, last week's podcast, how like just Taggart's teams, like Florida State, I think is an improved team this year, especially after last year's team that averaged like 23 points a game, which is like just, an outlier year for Florida state teams in terms of point production on offense, but like they're different this year. They have the speed on offense. They look good, but at a halftime, it's just like he gets out coached so bad and they don't make the proper adjustments and they're losing the second half with this guy. So I'm tempted to play Florida state here. First half, just keep playing that play that angle all year until the market corrects itself here on them play on Florida state in the first half and against them in the second half. It, it might just be that simple. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: no i think i'll ride with that but um clearly everybody knows that trend so i mean it's not rocket science over here but right. <laughs> I mean, it's three 0 so i can't can't hate it
0: yeah no i mean it's like one of those things where i, I don't know if the market knows because it's like they they're just thinking full game on this team i mean who knows it's just i don't think there's any like pricing difference on the first half or full game when you look at the chart with them so i'm i don't know it's an interesting angle i think and just like doing anything blindly is not going to win you money at all in sports betting but but uh, I think there's something to be said there, just because they've they've shown flashes, and it's like a talent versus coaching type of issue. So I don't know. I might look into it. You said you saw that that first half lineup because they're they're laying six and a half full game, uh, but the first half line. I don't know if that's like four. I, don't know. I could probably look that up really quick.
1: Yeah, I heard. I thought I thought I saw somebody say I see four right now. Four. I thought somebody yeah, said five four. or so, but they must have been off.
0: Yeah, but yeah, four. It's like it's still tempting. I don't know because it's like a bigger. Total. I know it's like 30 and a half 31 first half total so I don't know this it, honestly it's probably not like the best value but just playing that angle I might do it if you get three and a half I think it's it's probably good in three definitely full go on that one so um let's let's move on to NFL though we're entering week three um and I want to talk really quick at the unders were 13 and three last week and the referees I think I, I mentioned this on the podcast before the season started I heard about the like how the league basically issued a mandate to referees, telling them to call penalties or at least like to pay attention to to offensive holding more often. Um, and we've seen that. I think I, I've noticed it myself. I don't have any numbers to back this up right now, but we've seen a lot more penalties being called on offense. Uh, for Tom holding Brady
1: was tweeting all night. Did you see that already? No. He was tweeting no, all no. night. Let him play. Like Brady had yeah. three complaint tweets during the game tonight.
0: Oh wow! On Thursday night, wow! I didn't even know. Right right now, yeah. yeah, I mean, I've I've seen it tonight too. So it's something that like I've thought of. I've you know I'm an unders guy as it is, so I've been cleaning up with some of these anyway. But like unders at the start of the season have been good for that. I think that's a big reason why. And I think the market's starting to catch up to it though, because there's a few unders I wanted to get involved on this week and and was just late to the party on honestly. And those there's three of them that I was looking to play the Patriots and the Jets. Uh, that one was at 47 that's down to 43 and a half uh, i think the patriots defense i was out, uh, one of my best bets last week was under in the patriots game uh, I just think that the defense is being underappreciated. and and uh, Belichick doesn't want to like obviously run up the score in the second half And so he wants to preserve brady so it's just a good angle right now but but the bet that's been bet down to 43 and a half and then the the eagles and the lions that was bet down from 49 and a half to 45 and a half and the Rams and the Browns, you were talking about this one earlier in the week, The that went from 51 now to 47 and a half. So all these unders are are uh, getting beat down by the market here. So it's, I know, it's just an interesting thing I want to talk about. But um, let's break down a couple games here. Um, I'm all over the Vikings, and my biggest play of the week is actually a teaser on the Vikings and Packers. But that's the Vikings are nine pretty much everywhere now, so a six-point teaser is not going to cross you through the three. So... It's kind of like the party sailed on that. But I also, you know, I bet the Vikings on the money line at I just thought that line was still off. I got them at minus 375. It's kind of sucks laying a money line in the NFL, but values value, in my opinion. So, um, But there is one game I know you like uh, a lot this week, or at least we're interested in, um, this, the Steelers against the Niners. Uh, what are your thoughts on that game?
1: Yeah. Um, I see it's seven now. I thought it was six earlier in the week. I could be wrong. Um, it was, yeah. Yeah. I definitely obviously like it under a touchdown a lot more. Um, and I'm kind of interested in Mason, um, Rudolph as it's kind of clear that some gunslingers are making waves in the NFL. I mean, Menchu was decent tonight. Um, so I don't know if I love that as much anymore. I just, I think the Steelers are bad. I mean, Obviously, they were bad on Week One. Big Ben got hurt, but they were still bad with him in there. Niners are feeling high. I, I mean, again, it's the, definitely the 0 and two team for the two and o team. But I don't know. I just I could easily see the Niners winning this by double digits. I just I think the Steelers are in for a long, long year.
0: Yeah, I and mean, it's it's gone south pretty quick for the Steelers. Um, but at the same time, like this is the whole o and two team versus two and o team angle. Uh, don't have any of like the the, tr- the stats to back that up, but that's just like a I know over time against the spread, that's like one of the best angles you could play in the NFL over time. Um, but it's I'm expecting I don't know I, I can't help but think that they're going to rally around Mason Rudolph, um, the Steelers, and I'm also like one of my favorite angles in sports betting. Hat tip to to the late great David Malinsky for this one, but one of his favorite angles, and this is more this more applies more to to Major League Baseball and the NBA. And, uh, I guess games where you play more frequently, but teams coming back off a long road trip, returning home, um, and they're fading them in their first game back home, especially when they've been gone for like multiple weeks, you know, go against like a baseball team that's been on a long road trip or like, uh, the bulls on their circus trip or something like that, um, fading them in their first game home, just for the simple fact that like, when you get home from anything, like if you're on a long trip and, like, let's say you go on a nice European vacation or something like that, and you return home, and you got to tidy up all those loose ends. You got to catch up with family and friends. You got to bring, you know, do your laundry. You got to maybe, uh, I, don't, I don't know if any of these NFL guys are doing their laundry, but still, you know, you got to make sure everything's in place and all the little things in life that have been sitting by the wayside. And I think that applies here for the Niners just because they they were in training camp and they opened up the season with two road games. And one of both. They looked impressive. I bet on them. in uh, Week two, it gave them out. I thought the last week was a great bet on the Niners. And and they stayed out on the East. They stayed in, in Youngstown, Ohio, between weeks one and two. Didn't return home. So they've been away from home since the start of the season. Finally got home this week. And I feel like there's that situation where they're kind of just tending to everything in their lives and maybe just taking a little bit less focus away from practice and preparing for this game, especially since they're sitting fat and happy at 2-0. and so, and I, and, and the other side of the coin, you got the Steelers all out effort. They just made a trade for one of the dolphins guys too. So it's like, you know, it's showing to the players that they're serious about winning this year. I'm expecting a circle of the wagons effort. And I think if this one hits seven, uh, which is starting to show now with the extra juice, but if it's seven at minus minus I'm going to bet on the Steelers here. And I'm, I'm actually thinking of even betting on them. If there's a bit of juice at the plus seven too. So yeah, I can see that. Uh, any other NFL games? Um, I
1: don't, I don't know i don't love this nfl board it's kind of littered with some blowouts um littered with some iffy teams and i was um reading something about there's just not many reliable teams right now to bet on in regards to healthy yeah. teams with quarterbacks there's so much who knows so i mean there's a lot of games to maybe and i won't i know i won't because i'm degenerate kind of like have a low sunday here you know <laughs> i mean a lot of backups a lot of Injuries, just it's really tough. I I'm staring at the Falcons, even though I hate them, getting a point on the road. I thought they looked decent against the Eagles last week, outside of trying to blow it at the end. Colts, I'm still iffy on. I also weirdly like the Lions getting six or seven at Philly. Philly's just decimated on defense. Um, they still look good on offense, but if I could get a touchdown in that game, I don't hate the Lions otherwise kind yeah. of in the boat like you like some of the good teams are laying eight or nine which i'm too too dumb to touch so the bills who i've been riding so hard i could see a little let down against the bangles get given six but they're coming home so i could i, I could see the energy there i mean otherwise the browns rams is the under is that i loved but it's definitely almost out of range now
0: yeah it's just tough at this stage like Maybe we'll get some like extra money to push some of these lines back up. You know, some public money before the games start. Like you kind of mentioned that Lions game. You know, I don't think we'll see it because the Lions won last week. But you know, if we got the Lions some public money pushing the Eagles up to seven, might be able to see that. But um, even so, like maybe some more over money. I don't think that Rams line that total is gonna the Browns Rams going to go up to fifty one, but we might see it tick back up to forty nine.
1: Seattle giving only four and a half at home to the saints with Bridgewater makes no sense. I mean, it's just so many games that are just so, so many question marks.
0: Yeah, no, there are a lot of new quarterbacks in there and it's hard to, to get these ratings, right. And especially predict how a team's going to react to, you know, to a new quarterback coming in, if they're going to rally around him or if they're going to, you know, just kind of hang up their cleats. What, what are your thoughts Are so you're a giants fan? What, what are you, what's your take on the state of the giants with Daniel Jones being one of those guys? Um,
1: At first, I was kind of confused. I thought it would happen mid-year when they were like two and four, three and six, or something like that. Um, But more and more, I think about it and read into it. I do get it in regards to, and it kind of makes more sense now. Like, just throw them out there. Let he has what fourteen weeks now, thirteen weeks to kind of figure it out. And then if he's not good at all or shows lack of um, any skills then you draft a quarterback next year when there's a lot of them coming out so i don't know if they would because that would be back-to-back years drafting a quarterback but you throw him out there and if he's really really bad you know what to do and if he's not then maybe next year there's a little hope so i I get it
0: you're right i mean yeah at this point see what he's got and see if there's upside some room for improvement and if if he actually has the potential to be the quarterback of the future and flashes some upside so it's a good move i agree with it so all right well you got anything else i think that that's about going to do it for this week
1: Yeah, um, I just have a couple more college ones I forgot to mention. That aren't big games, but if you just want to line your pockets with a couple more um, Danima winners, LSU minus 23 or 24 against Vandy. I just think they blow the doors off of a bad Vanderbilt team. No home field advantage there. Um, And LSU has an offense this year, which I'm pleasantly surprised with. So I think there will be no issues running up the score there. And then a big degenerate special, Texas State minus three against Georgia state or Georgia Southern. Who is that?
0: Georgia state, Georgia state,
1: Georgia state. Yes. Who beat Tennessee. But then I saw Georgia state has led up 500 and 600 yards of total offense the past two weeks. So give me Texas state. I don't even know where the game's being played. I just know I love Texas state and that's your D gen special.
0: (laughs) Very nice. Very nice. All right. Well, That'll do it for this week. Uh, good luck with your bets to speak to Animal. Thanks for coming on the pod again.
1: Appreciate it. Have a good weekend. All right. Take care.
0: <laughs> All right. Thank you, Danimal. As you heard in my interview with him, I am big on the Vikings this week, um, but I stayed away from laying the eight points when it was there. I agree with the line move on this one because I actually have this lined at Vikings just about minus 11 on my stuff. And even that might not be high enough. I, uh, I did play some Vikings money line when it was at minus 375 earlier in the week, but my biggest angle to get into play on Minnesota this week was in the teaser market. And I write a weekly story for Bet Chicago that looks at each week's teaser candidates, um, and I you know, have a model obviously crossing through the 3 and the 7. Anything that applies to that, I usually touch on in that article. And in this week's article, I mentioned that teasing the Vikings down to minus 2 or minus 2.5 as part of a two-team, six-point teaser, crossing through the seven and the three, is the best teaser value that we have seen all year so far. And I, I really am all about that play. Um, I'm going to kind of dive into some of the stuff right here that I mentioned in, in that article. but um, So Minnesota's returning home um, off a narrow road loss in Green Bay in Week 2. Obviously, remember how great the Vikings looked in Week 1. Uh, but their home field advantage is one of the best home fields in the NFL. Uh, that Vikings crowd's crazy. That that field, I mean, they really get up, and I've seen, you know, some legitimate arguments that that the Vikings' uh, home field could even be worth as much as four points in certain situations. So we have that, um, and on the flip side, you know, obviously the Vikings' defense, you know, they're going to be going up against Derek Carr here, and um, on the flip side, the Raiders—they're traveling away from home for the first time this weekend, and they're coming off a horrific scoreless offensive second half. Uh, against Oakland. They went up 10-0 early in that game and then just got shut down after that. And uh, Derek Carr averaged only 5.2 yards per attempt, and now he's facing a very hungry Vikings defense, and he's doing that with two of his top skill position players banged up. Uh, Tyrell Williams is dealing with a pit pointer this week. Looks like he's still probably going to play. And then rookie Josh Jacobs, he's questionable with a groin injury. So when you factor that in, you know, the skill position injuries – the fact that the Raiders are traveling away from home for the first time, the Vikings are returning home. I just think they're like a much better team, obviously, to I me. Mean, my power ratings have them uh, roughly eight points apart right now, roughly in that range. So, and that's not factoring in home field advantage and all the intangibles in this game, so. My numbers project the Vikings as double-digit favorites in this one. Uh, there's already decent value on the point spread on its own, although it's moved up to nine, so it's you know it's not as good anymore. So that teaser, if it gets back into play, you know at nine you can't tease through the seven and the three, so it really does lose a lot of its value. But if that number ticks back down, if you search around right now and if you can tease through the seven and the three on a six-point teaser, you know, laying limited juice, I think that's... The best teaser candidate of the week. I teased it with the Packers, teased some of it with the Jaguars up through the three and the seven uh, on Thursday Night Football. But um, yeah, that's that's the best angle I think NFL wise uh, this week. Um, but besides that, I'm also gonna get into play, and I have gotten into play on um, the Browns on Sunday Night Football. They're hosting the Rams, and uh, wrote an article for Bet Chicago on that as well. It's gonna be published on Friday morning, but. Um, there's a few reasons why I like this one. And, um, I dive into the numbers more in, in the story for Bet Chicago. But when you take a look at Jared Goff's home road splits, it's pretty crazy when you look at the difference. Like last year, Goff threw for 22 touchdowns and only three interceptions at home, but on the road, 10 interceptions and, or sorry, 10 touchdowns and nine interceptions. QBR dropped over 30 points when he left LA. And this week, this year, there's more of the same week one. They went to, you know, even though the Rams won 30-27 in Carolina, he only threw for 186 yards, didn't look that great. And then last week, it's kind of hard to judge because they're going up against a Drew Brees. Uh, uh, well, Drew Brees got injured against the Rams early in the game uh, when the Saints played the Rams in Week 2. So you know, when you look at the numbers of that game, it's not as uh, predictive. But still, his, his completion rate has passed three games, 61 for 105. That's a 58% completion rate two interceptions, two touchdowns his last three games dating back to the Super Bowl. So this week he's going up against a very good Browns defensive line. They already have eight sacks in their first two games. And if there is weakness on this Rams team, it's their offensive line. And I think that that's going to be amplified um, in front of the home crowd on primetime TV on Sunday night. And it's tough going in front of this Rams train. And I also think there's no rush to bet this if you're betting the Browns because the Titans lost to the Jaguars. Or uh, they're losing to the Jaguars as I'm recording this, and I think people might be like, "Okay, well, obviously the Titans beat the piss out of the Browns, and they lost to the Jaguars. So, you know, how good are the Browns really?" Um, but you know, I think you might see this line go back up. And I at three or better. I don't think this is going to you know hit four or anything like that. But um, yeah, I think it's a good play on the Browns this week. I think it's a good look when you consider their defensive line going up against that Rams offensive line at home. The preseason hype was there for the Browns. I have this game closer to a pick so I think getting plus three is very good value in this spot. So give me the Browns on Sunday Night Football. And um, that's about it, though, for this episode of the Doggy Juice Pod. Um, As always, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Doggy Juice uh, for best bets and other uh, actionable plus EV information. And I'll be back next week with some new guests. Very excited to to bring the podcast to new heights in the next few weeks and months it's a very exciting time so until then take care enjoy the games this weekend good luck with your bets and i will talk to you all later doggy juice